This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is David Barrett. He started programming at the early age of six and has been aspiring to become an expense report magnet ever since. I don't know if I believe him, by the way, on that. We'll check, we'll check that in a second. <laughs> he attended the University of Michigan, where he worked in the virtual reality lab before moving to Texas to write 3D graphics engines for the video game industry. Next, he moved to California to join Travis in building a peer-to-peer file transfer technology technology called Red Swoosh. That's obviously Travis from Uber. And that company was acquired by Akamai in 2007. In 2008, he left that company to start Expensify and has since been relieving the world's frustrations one expense report at a time. David, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. So you just, you popped out of the womb and you said, give me the P&L, mom. Let me see the balance sheet. Let's do expense <laughs> reporting, baby. That's right. I just got into it for the chicks, you know. It's obviously where it's at. <laughs> Tell us about the company. What do you do and how do you make money? <clears throat> so Expensify is pretty straightforward. It's a mobile app for business travelers. You take a picture of your receipts. We read all the information off the receipt automatically, so there's no typing involved. And then we'll submit it to your company for reimbursement. And so we get you paid the very next day for the Starbucks purchase you made today. Okay, that makes good sense. And what, like, tell us the origin story here. When did you launch the company and what turned you on to it? Well, origin stories are always complicated. Um, and I would say, to summarize mine, I, I, initially I had no interest in expense reports whatsoever. I was doing something just completely different in the prepaid debit card space. And the banks just had no interest in me. They saw me as just way too risky. And so I'm like, all right, I need some low risk. I need some boring. I'm like, what is the most boring thing I can think of? I'm like, aha, expense reports. So that's how I got into it. It was as a Trojan horse to get permission for the banks to launch an entirely different product. <clears throat> and then... Um, after we launched this product, everyone's like, yeah, your, your prepaid debit cards are cool and all, but your expense reports are amazing. And up until that point, I actually hadn't intended to build it. I was just, it was a fake product that I was just making up as I went along. And I think I developed the story around it. It's like, oh, this mobile app where we use your camera to scan receipts and then we reimburse you the next day and we import your credit cards and export your accounting package and all this stuff. And everyone's like, if you just, if you just did that, that would be amazing. I'm like, oh, well, maybe we should just do that. So that's how I got into it. <laughs> That's interesting. And the business model now, you know, you, I mentioned last show that you were on. Guys, if you want to listen to the last episode, David came on. It was episode 844. And actually, he was on in episode 655, which would have been about a year ago as well. David, you, you start even with the janitor on a free plan. And you said they go up to an average hour proof of about nine bucks a pop. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, that's right. Because I would say the um, our entire business model, and I would say the, the way that we differentiate is by acquiring the individual first. And then so that's why the product has to be so good for the end users because the end users are champion. They're the person who pulls us into the organization and then promotes us to the top of the organization. Would you, so, yeah, go, we, would you go so far as to say that you actually your onboarding is a consumer app? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think that we're in this very weird uh, sort of middle ground between sort of this con- – we're basically like consumer-grade enterprise application. 
Yep. This is a model that I, you're the second one in about a week I've had on. So malware bites is, I mean, they'll be pushing hundred million here soon in ARR, but they do the same thing. It's bottoms up. They have a consumer approach. Then they land and expand based off logos. They seeing naturally coming in on their consumer product, And it works really, really well for them. You're doing the same thing, huh? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, cause if you're going to differentiate, you can't differentiates through functionality alone. It has to be through acquisition, through business model. Yep. And how many, um, let's not use number of companies, although I'm sure that's, I mean, obviously that's probably well into the thousands uh, or tens of thousands, but employees. So, so how many seats uh-huh. are being used on Expensify today? You know, honestly, I don't know that number. I would say like, so we think about 45,000 paying companies. So basically how many companies have adopted? Yeah. So we've got more, more companies is Expensify than the next four expense reporting companies. How many did you say, David? But 45,000. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, you were just on four months ago. You were at 42,000. So yeah, you're, I mean, that's, you're growing quick. Yeah, and so this year especially has been crazy. It's been, actually, it's just crazy keeping on top of it this year. Yeah. But yeah, so it's been great. And then before we get more of the origin story and kind of where you see the space going, I want to talk about Matt and the T-Sheets deal as well and just FinTech sure. in general, especially some data related to this space. Um, can we put a general bracket on your thing? So, I mean, you guys are somewhere between the call at 60 and $100 million ARR range. Is that fair? Yeah, we're still under 100. That's right. Yeah. Do you, I mean, are you, are, and the reason I'm asking this is just for the significance in terms of when people start thinking about IPO and other sources of capital. I mean, do you think you'll break 100 in 2018 or do you think it's more 2019? Yeah, it's probably not 2018. Okay, got it. Um, interesting. So let's talk about the space. Uh, and guys, by the way, I'm not going to focus a ton on David's backstory because you can get that in the other interviews. He, you know, launched the thing in, in 2008. They were at 120 people about three months ago. Are you still at about that size, David? Yeah, actually, that number is maybe a little bit off. It's more like maybe 110 right now. 110. I think that probably gave you the bad number before. That's okay. No worries. So let's talk about the space. So a lot of people, I mean, especially when you start hearing people go, man, I should do an Expensify concept on blockchain, right? Where's your head in terms of just fintech in general on blockchain? Wow, that's interesting. So I guess I would say, I think right now is a really hard time to start a company because any company that just involves like, the internet and mobile and things like that. It's like, it's been done. It's been done like 10 years ago. And so I think we're seeing like this whole series A crunch. It's because so many of the early stage funds in the past few years are doing terribly because again, all these kind of me too wannabes basically have come around. You haven't so raised real. anymore, right? You're at 25 million still. Say one more time. You haven't raised additional capital since we last spoke, right? You're at 25. Oh, no, no, no. We're, yeah. We're, we're profitable. So we just, we don't, we're off that, that whole bandwagon. Yeah, but, you, but you only raised 25 today, right? 27, I think it is. So do you regret it, raising? (sighs) That's tough. I mean, it's easy to say yes because I give, I regret the dilution. But on the other hand, I spent it all, so yeah, I clearly needed it. And I, it's tough to say. Like I, like one of the challenges is money got so cheap for a while. I wish that I'd raised uh, a few years later. But then now I realize those companies that raised a few years later, maybe they got good terms, but they're all gone. They're just done because they came too late. And so yes. We came at a time when capital was more expensive, but it was also much earlier, and that's what enabled us to kind of take over the market. So it, it, it's hard to look back and say what you do different. Yeah, it, it, the whole funding thing is tough. I mean, I'm looking at you here because we're doing this on a Skype interview. I mean, you look like a guy that doesn't have ego. I mean, you're you're showing up your natural self. I mean, your hat, you know, has a ripping it up here. I mean, you haven't shaved in years. Your shirts, you know, you look good, but you're like Portland, and you're like, I don't give a fuck, and I'm just doing my thing. So it's great. So you don't seem like a guy that would raise for ego purposes. Oh, well, no, I think that's really kind of stupid. Like to celebrate raising money is to celebrate that you took out a loan. It's like, Wait, so like what pushed you over the edge though when you did raise? You just saw a path to spending the capital to get number one in market share or what? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, things get more um, refined over time. And I'd say uh, we raised because it was possible, because everyone thought you we had to. We took some big swings that missed. And so it's, again, it's, it's Tell hard Tell me about to one of those like, swings. Um, I would say like advertising. Like advertising's tough. Everyone, like, everyone will tell you. It's like, oh yeah, everyone knows how this works. Uh, you raise a bunch of money, you spend it on ads, um, and then you get this you know, high-performance sales team, and then that's how you build your business with the exception that no business you cared about was ever built that way. Like every business, every all the top names in the industry are built through word of mouth. And, but no one talks about that because it's not possible to be funded with, with, with capital. And so therefore VCs don't care about word of mouth because it's not their business model. And I think that's a big challenge being an entrepreneur is recognizing that your job is very different than your investor's job. And your, your world out view is just very, very different as well. No, that makes good sense. I mean, your whole model now, right? You're not doing any paid spend anymore, right? No, we have no advertising going on whatsoever right now. It's all 100% word of mouth. And it's the janitor starts using it. And then they, before you know it, the janitor tells Sally who works at the desk. And then John who works at the desk next to Sally. And before you know it, 20 people at a company. And then it moves from a personal credit card payment to the company buying a seat package with you guys, right? That's exactly right. And that's, that's our whole business model. And it sounds crazy that it could work at this scale, but like it does. It works great. Yep. And it's all, is it no touch or is there a portion of your 110 folks dedicated to picking out the logos they see signing up and expanding? Um, you know, it's certainly not no touch. Uh, there's no enterprise, I'm sorry, there's no commission sales component to specify. So no one's paid a, 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 a commission at all. But we certainly have a support team that stands by because it's activity-based pricing. That means we only get paid when you get active. But the only way that you get active is that you've gone through your whole setup process and getting your company on board. So we have a whole team standing by that will help you get on board. Um, and we've got different types of teams for different parts of the organization, different accounting packages and so forth. But I would say that, um, so it's not no touch, but there's no commission sales. And that, the lack of commission is what distorts everything. CRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And he told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM, signed up, and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. You know, I'm not the guy that, you know, finishes the sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it, and it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay. What leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are gonna close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks or sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again, prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. So can you give a sense also of growth? So like last year at this time, you know, what were you at if you're comfortable sharing? And then obviously we can back into growth rate. Sure. So like, so last year we were under hundred percent, but I would say what's nice about what's been really interesting is um, we're going through this kind of like the second S curve. So when I say S curve, everyone thinks it's like you start slow, you grow fast, and then you kind of like slow off into the distance sort of thing. And so slowly die. 
slowly, yeah, slowly diet scale, I guess, or something like that. And, um, uh, but one thing we're finding is very unusual about our business model. And so, um, in the past couple of years, we spent a lot of time making the product easier for smaller business. Like everyone thinks about the enterprise and how great the enterprise is. Enterprise sucks, man. It's just like, it's super slow sales cycles. The margins are terrible. It's super competitive. It's whatever. The real opportunity is mid-market and below. And so we've been reorienting the company around sort of mid-market companies in SMB. And as we do that, we are actually seeing our revenue uh, re-accelerate, which has been great. And so I think that we have this very broad range of the market, everything from like individual to Fortune 500, but like really the lower half is where the, uh, the opportunity is at. So it's, can we say you, you kind of grew 90 to 100% year or 80 to 100% year over year between this time and last time, the same time? I'm not going to get into those numbers in detail, but yeah, I would say like uh, the nice thing is I think that accelerating at this scale um, is like turning the ship around at this scale is real hard to do. Well, that's honestly, David, that's why I'm pushing you here on this because I want people to understand you can still get healthy growth numbers without dumping a hundreds of millions of dollars into paid ads, diluting the hell out of your company, right? Where you have to yeah. sell for $3 billion before your first employee sees a dime. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. And I would say um, the, the, the only reason we slowed down at all was because we got distracted by the enterprise. Like yeah. we started off kind of like lower uh, mid-market SMB and the enterprise was just there. It seemed good, like big names and so forth. And so we just kind of got distracted by them by a couple of years. And so now we're getting back to the back to the basics, I would say. Okay. Can we say it was over 50% year over year? I want to give you yeah, credit here. Year, yeah, okay, got it. Between 50. So guys, listen, it's list, follow his story. Check out Expensify. It's possible to grow at this scale. I mean, again, it's, it's easy to go from a dollar to $2, right? And say 100% yeah. year over year growth. When you're going from 50 million, trying to get to 100 million, it's way obviously tougher. So David's yeah. doing it and he's doing it in an unconventional way. David, what's next? Do you, 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 you mentioned you're trying to make it easier for smaller companies, which is great because then you're kind of increasing the number of people using you. Are you ever going to go into the space where you're going to try and increase wallet share on your current customers via upselling new stuff? That's interesting. Um, I don't know. We've always tried to keep ourselves the, the least expensive option in the market. Um, and I think that uh, we think that the path to growth is not so much by like increasing sort of uh, how much you extract from each customer, but just getting more customers. And so I, I'm much more focused on just massive scale than I am on trying to like, you know, squeeze harder. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, let's talk. And the reason I bring that up is because our friend Matt, right? Matt was on the show with T-Sheets. He just sold to Infusions or sorry, to, to uh, Intuit for 340 million bucks uh, on a great multiple. And, you know, he was, I mean, I, I would put him in the payroll space, but it's not just like a timer. It's kind of more intricate payroll. You, I mean, you could very easily, there's a clear path for you from a product from my perspective to jump into these kinds of spaces. Well, I would say that's, a, I mean, yes, you could say that in that sense that all accounting ultimately deals with, you know, numbers that have a dollar sign in front of them. And so they're all very similar, but there are differences there. Like um, T-Sheet certainly has focused on making the best time roll, uh, sort of time tracking sort of software. And it's not just about the numbers behind it, but like it'll take a picture when you clock in, there's like GPS tracking, there's a whole bunch of nuance around the space. And so yes, it would be very easy for us to do shitty time tracking. It'd be yeah. very hard for us to do time tracking nearly as good as they do. <laughs> Before we wrap up, you look like you're in a very cool spot. Can you like move your camera around, show us around where you are? Sure. Yeah. This is, uh, this is my office here. Um, and so, Oh wow. Uh, this is, it's actually my, my daughter's birthday. We rented this bus called the tumble bus, which is, uh, it's a whole gym that comes out and it's just the whole thing that's going playing out there. So, Oh my gosh, wait, go back to your bookshelf. How do you organize? What are these books? Are these fiction, you know, nonfiction typically well, books are my wife's books. She's an opera singer. And so like everything down here is like classical music. Uh, everything up there is more history. And so, uh, I'm more of a digital person. I'm not much of a book person. 
I love that. All right, David, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what if you have one, what's your favorite business book? I guess I would have to say um, The uh, Innovator's Dilemma. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? It'd have to be Elon Musk. Who wouldn't? I know. It's, it's, yep, that's, that's right. Number three, is there, besides your own, is there a favorite online tool you have? Uh, I, I'm just basic. I'm just going to go uh, Google Docs. Okay, number, I was about to say, you don't have to go basic. You can if you want, but Google Docs. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Eight. Okay, and what's your situation? Married or single? Or obviously, you mentioned your wife and one kid. Do you have any more kids? Uh, no, just the one. But do I do have a dog, and she's uh, certainly precocious. <laughs> and how old are you, David? I'm uh, 42, I think. Okay, last question. Take us back 22 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Mm, I would say uh, stop listening to VCs. There you guys have it from David. Stop listening to VCs. Look, he he launched this company many, many years ago, kind of jumped into the VC trap, raised $25 million, took some swings, missed, learned it the hard way. But really now it's beautiful what he's doing. Acquisition, basically through a consumer app, bottom up, focusing his R&D team on making it the tool easier for small business owners and for the consumer themselves. Because when the consumer uses it more, they tell more people, word of mouth grows, they move to a paid plan at about eight bucks a month. They're doing between, you know, call it 60 and 100 million currently, growing year over year between last year and today, December 2017, between 50 and 90 or 100-ish percent, uh, again, without spending loads of money on capital and without raising a bunch of extra capital as well. David, thank you for taking us to the top. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.